Good morning. That last song, wow. That could uh, be something that just literally dominates our prayer life, right? That last song and um, just the whole thing of speak, O Lord. Well, let's hope we hear him today and not me. So if you would, please open your Bibles to Psalm 51. We'll be finishing up the psalm today or go to your phones and bring up Psalm 51. Um, I wanted to dig with that critical race theory. Vodi Bakum just came out with a great book called Fault Lines and he addresses that whole thing of critical race theory. I've been reading it. It's, it's really good and um, he worries of the decline of evangelicalism. So it's, it's a real good book. So just to pass that on to you and Anybody else that is interested? Okay, let's pray and then we'll dig in. Father, we bow our heads in prayer and ask that truly you would speak, O Lord, to us today. Speak to our hearts, speak to our souls, open our ears. Give us clear vision in our eyes, Lord, to see the glory, the beauty, the majesty, and the greatness of Christ. Lord, I just pray that you would eclipse me, that I would not be seen, but you would be heard. Father, I pray that your word would speak powerfully to us today. Father, just comfort us with it as I know there's those that need to be comforted. Lord, encourage us with your word today if we need encouragement. Father, may it all bring praise and glory to your name. In Christ's name I ask all these things. Amen. So this is part three of Psalm 51. So just as a review before we dig into the last one, We had the first part where we talked about cultivating repentance. That's what we're talking about. Cultivating repentance in our life and cultivating that and what it it brings about. And we're seeing how David is repenting of this, this sin of Bathsheba and Uriah is what David is repenting of. The prophet Nathan had come to him in Samuel chapter 12 and told him of this story and he brings this sin out and David is crushed how he has sinned against the Lord and so that's the backdrop of this and so this is David's response maybe some theologians believe this is maybe about a year after this had occurred that David is now crushed by this and so we get this beautiful psalm that David writes but it helps us in cultivating repentance and so the first point that we looked at was understanding our own hearts when it comes to repentance understanding our own sin nature and that we're born in sin David says that he was conceived in sin and so he understood his sin nature so likewise we as we cultivate repentance as we till the soil in our hearts with repentance we have to see that our own sin nature we have to see also we have to own our own sin 
That's what David says through this psalm. We see many times where he says, my iniquities, my sin, you know? And so we, we see where David claims ownership of his sin. And likewise, in this cultivation, we claim ownership of our sin. We have to understand that our sin is against the Lord and the Lord only. David again, he mentions this. I have sinned against you and you only. Did David sin against Bathsheba? Yes. Did he sin against Uriah? Absolutely. But ultimately, his sin was against the Lord. And he acknowledges that. And ultimately, in our repentance and in cultivating this, our sin is ultimately against the Lord. Also, we have to understand that there's no religious performance. There's no amount of time you can go to church, no amount of songs we sing, no matter how much you read the word, no how much you're in prayer. None of that can wash away sin. We need God to take that sin away from us. And so that brought us to our second point in cultivating sin is seeing the goodness Tasting the goodness, this is what we looked at last week, tasting the goodness of who God is. And we see these pleas that David has through the Psalms of washing me, cleansing me, creating me a new heart, renewing a right spirit within me, delivering me. And that's what we looked at. We saw that God in Christ Jesus, because of what Christ says, we sang it, right? Because Christ was was forsaken we're forgiven because Christ was condemned we're accepted and we see these things and we saw how great God unfolds this in scripture by us because of Christ we 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 see his mercy because of Christ we are forgiven because of what Christ has done on the cross we have new hearts we have the spirit within us we're sealed by this spirit God doesn't reject us. He doesn't forsake us. We are accepted in the beloved. He restores the joy of our salvation and he has delivered us from the power and the penalty of sin. So now what does that do a heart that grips that? And this is today's point. In cultivating repentance, when our heart is absolutely gripped by the goodness and the majesty and the greatness of God and everything Christ has done for us, when our hearts are gripped with that, we have obedience. Obedience flows out of this. And this is what David's gonna share with us today is this obedience. We, we, we cultivate sin and, and being obedient. Uh, and this obedience with that, um, it's showing fruit. It's the fruit of repentance is what David's talking about. It's the fruit that comes out. So what is the fruit that comes out? Well, the first thing we see is repentance, right? Repentance is a fruit. We have to see that in our lives, that repentance is a fruit. Acts 20, 26 tells it this way. But declare first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and through all out the region of Judea, and also the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their, report, with their repentance. Deeds means anything done or to be done. A deed, a work, an action. That's what they're saying. There's, there's deeds that we do with keeping with our repentance. There's, there's fruit that comes with repentance. But repentance itself is a fruit because it is a gift from God. Luke 3 we're going to read a big section. So I, I'm going to go to Luke 3, chapter, or verse 7. This is John the Baptist, 
and John the Baptist is talking to the religious leaders as they're, as they're coming and people that are coming to be baptized, you know, for uh, the repentance of their sins. And he starts off in verse 7 of this passage and he says, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. <laughs> yeah. How many times have we heard that preach from the pulpit? Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for, for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit, it is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, This is the fruit. Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. This is fruit of repentance. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? Now, tax collectors in that day, what they did is they, 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 uh, they had the tax and they taxed everybody what they're supposed to, but they also cheated it, right? And they added a little more tax for their own selves so they can put it in their pockets, right? And do their, and do their own thing. And he says, what shall we do? And this is what, what, the, what the John the Baptist says. And he said to them, Collect more than no more than you are authorized to do. So he's telling them, when you repent and you turn from your sin, you just collect what you're supposed to collect. Nothing more. Just collect what you're supposed to collect. And to the soldiers also asked, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations and be content with your wages. Because the soldiers in days would catch people doing, doing crimes and they would extort the money from them. And so he's saying you turn and you do the right things. You do what you're supposed to do. So this is the, the fruit of repentance is knowing that there are deeds that we do. There are works that we do when it comes to repentance that the, there's fruit in our repentance. And repentance is one of them. Secondly, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. We have the fruit of the Spirit. This is another fruit that comes out of this when we have this, is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and the desires. Now I want us to pick up on one thing in this verse, in these verses. Notice how it doesn't say, but the fruits. It says the fruit of the Spirit. So as believers, as the Spirit is in us, we have the fruit of the Spirit. That does not mean we get to pick and choose which one of these we have. We can't sit there and say, oh, well, you know what? I got self-control, but I'm not very loving. We can't sit there and say, I'm gentle, but I'm not patient. No. It's the fruit. It's singular in the Greek. It's a singular term, and it means that this is what we have in us. We have the fruit of the Spirit in us. That means, guess what? We are loving. We are joyful. We are patient. We are kind. We are good. We are faithful. And when we're not, what do we do? We repent. And God forgives us, and he strengthens us to do better. Thirdly, 
Thirdly, we disciple others. This is a fruit. We disciple others. Look at verse 13, Psalm 51, 13. David writes, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. I will teach transgressors your, your way. Teach here means to teach, to instruct, to cause, to learn. This is what David's going to do. This is the fruit of his, his repentance because he has this new heart, this restored heart, this heart that's got the new spirit in there. He comes and he says that I will teach sinners your ways. Brothers and sisters, is that what we do? Do we instruct sinners in the way of God? Do we teach them his ways? Well, it's commanded to us, right? It's commanded for us to do this. Matthew 28, 20 says what? Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yes, we are to be teaching people of Christ. We are to be doing these things because of what Christ has done for us. Remember, obedience is not to be accepted, but we are accepted. That's why we're obedient. That's the difference. Colossians 3.16 says it this way. Let the word of Christ dwell, take root, be in you, abide in you, take up home in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. We are to disciple others. We are also to proclaim the gospel. We're to proclaim the excellencies of who God is, right? We're to preach the gospel. Look at Psalm 51, 15. David says this, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your, play, your praise. He will declare his praise. It will, will tell people, will foreign people of the goodness of God and who God is because we're just we're, we're so taken with with who God is this is this is a heart brothers and sisters I, I'm telling this is not a, a, a this is a heart that David is speaking of that understands he's been forgiven that he has been washed clean that he stands perfect in God's sight we have to grasp that fact. This is a heart. A heart that preaches the gospel and proclaims the gospel is a heart that is controlled by the gospel. It is a heart that is grasped by the gospel. The gospel is the center of this heart. Listen to Psalm forty fifteen. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and I will tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Proclaim means to announce. Psalm 71, 17. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. Acts seventeen thirteen. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Paul proclaimed the word. Paul preached the gospel. Ephesians 6, 19. And also for me, that words may be given to me, Paul's talking about praying for him, for the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. Boldly to proclaim it. Boldly proclaim the gospel. First Peter, or Colossians 1, 28. Him we proclaim. Jesus we proclaim. 
not us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And we proclaim Jesus. This is fruit of repentance. This is going from not proclaiming him to proclaiming him. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? We have to answer why. Why has God done this? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Do you grasp that, brothers and sisters? Do you grasp that as children of God, he has taken us out of darkness, out of the deepest, darkest pit of sin that you were in, and he has plucked you out of that, and he has brought you into his marvelous, glorious light. Proclaim the excellencies of him who has done this, Fifthly, fruit of cultivating repentance as we till the soil in our hearts, we will worship God. We will worship God. Look at Psalm 51, 14. He says, deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. He's talking about delivering him from this blood guiltness of, of uh, murdering Uriah. O God of my salvation and my tongue, will sing aloud your righteousness. His tongue will sing aloud his righteousness. This word sing in the Hebrew, anybody got any idea of what it means, of what sing means? Sing. <laughs> yeah, it means sing. We sing, right? David's gonna sing, sing aloud of your righteousness. Sing aloud of your righteousness. So how do we, how do we worship? David has a, has a heart that wants to worship God now, right? Well, there's ways that we worship here today, right? There's ways that we worship here today, right? A lot of people think that only worship is when we sing. Well, that's not true. We worship in three ways today as we come here. We worship in song. We worship God in song. We worship God in our offering when we offer and we tithe. That's, that's a part of worship. And we worship God right now in the hearing and the preaching of his word. It's all worship. It's just not one aspect. It's all worship. But how else do we worship outside of here? Well, it's given our lives to worship. It's given our lives to worship. Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, or which is your reasonable spiritual worship. Now, Paul says this in regards to what he had just wrote in, verse, in chapters 1 through 11, where he talks about all these great things that Christ has done, right? How he's justified us how he's strengthened us to live sanctified lives. Chapter 8, he talks about our, that we're no longer condemned. He talks about we're adopted. We're talked about how nothing can separate us from him. In chapter 9, he talks about how we are chosen. And he talks about how not all of Israel is Israel. Chapter 10, he talks about the gospel being given to us. Chapter 11, he talks about us being grafted in to, to the tree with God. And then he comes out and he says this, appeal therefore to you, brothers, 
by the mercies of God. Because of everything Christ has done, what is reasonable, what is reasonable for us is to, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. That's what he's saying is reasonable. That's our reasonableness of worship. So not only do we, do we worship God with our lives, but we worship God by singing. We worship God by singing. I'm the worst at this. I sing solos. I sing so low that nobody can hear me. That's what I sing. I sing solos. But our, but our, our singing needs to, be, needs to be powerful, right? Our singing needs to be great. The, the Psalms is full of verses that talk about singing with our hearts and singing to the Lord. Full and full of them. Psalms 30 verse 4 says this. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints. That's you. That's you and I. We're his saints. And give thanks to his holy name. Sing praises to the Lord, Psalm 47, 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. We are to sing. Brothers and sisters, when our hearts, when our hearts grasp what Christ has really done and we go to sing these songs, this roof should not even be on. We should blow this roof off because we sing from hearts that are filled with a massive amount of joy for what Christ has done for us. He did not leave us in the miry pit. He did not leave us in hell. He did not leave us in our sin. Sing, brothers and sisters. Worship Christ with all of your heart as we do. Ephesians 5.19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. And if we don't sing here and we don't sing loud here, well, guess what's going to happen when you're in heaven? There's no going to be solos. No one's going to be singing solo. Revelation 5, we get a glimpse into heaven, don't we? We get a glimpse into heaven in Revelation 5. Verse 9, this is what the Apostle John writes. And they sang a new song. They sang. We sing in heaven. Yes, we sing. A new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads of thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and in all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is a glimpse of what's happening in heaven. They're singing, they're singing praises. The elders are falling down. They're worshiping the lamb who was slain. Brothers and sisters, let's do that now. Let's sing now. Let our hearts be raptured now with who Christ is. Psalm 51.17. Look at 
This is our next one. After, after we have this worship, part of our worship also is understanding a, 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 a true heart. Psalm 51, 17 says this. The sacrifices of God, the sacrifices, right? The worship of God is what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. You will not despise this broken and contrite heart. This, this is a heart that is, that is sensitive to God's leading. This is a heart that is sensitive to sin. Uh, the word broken here, it means fractured. Sorry, Sarah, I just looked right at you. It means fractured, right? It's like a broken bone that's, that's fractured and we see these, these x-rays and it's, it's broken. It's a broken thing. And sometimes when we have a broken bone, it, it, it's not only, it, it doesn't, it hurts, Right, and sometimes when, when when God comes along and and He breaks our heart, it's not always gentle. It's not always easy. It hurts. It can be painful. But this is what God wants. He wants a, a broken heart. He wants a heart that He He can break, and then He molds back how He wants it molded back. Right? That's how He wants it. So He breaks it. And in this. This word contrite means crushed. So if you're just not broken enough, he wants a, a broken heart, a, a crushed heart. This is what he wants. And it says that he won't despise that person. The person that, that comes in worship with a, with a broken heart and a crushed heart, God doesn't despise that person. He doesn't scorn that person. He doesn't ridicule that person. But God loves that person. That's the sacrifice, is the broken heart that leans on who he is. Listen to what, what Isaiah or Psalm thirty four eighteen says. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He doesn't save the pride in spirit. It's the one who is crushed and brokenhearted. Isaiah fifty seven fifteen puts it this way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. And also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit, what are they? They're the brokenhearted, right? They're the brokenhearted. They're the ones who are broken. They're spiritually bankrupt. They're broke. They understand that brokenness. They understand how their, their, their heart works. They understand that their sin has broken them. And what does Jesus say is theirs? The kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the brokenness. Brothers and sisters, it's okay to be broken. It's a good thing to be broken. Because when you're broken, that's when God starts to mold you to be more like Christ. That's when he's conforming you into the image of his son is when we're broken. And if you're stubborn, he'll break you. Trust me on that one. He knows how to break you in so many different ways. And they're never easy. But it's when that brokenness comes and that crushedness comes is when he brings the gospel of grace and he starts... (laughs) it only took eight (laughs) but he starts to heal your heart that's what he does your grief thing I hope he heals hearts I hope they do that 
Forgive me. I'm sorry. Oh. I've done really good. But now you guys understand. There I am. <laughs> so, but he heals the heart. That's what he does. He heals this broken heart. Also, fruit that comes out of a heart that is cultivated repentance is a joyful heart. It's a joyful heart. It's a heart that grasps the fact that we are forgiven. We are heirs. We are children, saints, and we are the, the bride of Christ. Romans eight fourteen says it this way. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We've received this spirit as sons. That Abba, Father, does anybody know how that's translated? Daddy, Daddy, yeah, Daddy. I love it when my daughter calls me Daddy because then it's like the pocketbook is open. Here, what do you want, dear? But that's what God is saying. That's what, that, that's what we have when we get to enter into his throne room. We enter his throne room and, we, and we, we look at him with the most intimate way and we say, Daddy, Daddy, this is what we have. This is what a repentant heart cultivates. It cultivates this intimacy with God of that we get to call him Daddy. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This joyful heart also prays. This joyful heart also prays. Look at Psalm 51, 18 and 19. David says this, Do good to Zion in your good pleasures. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then... Will you delight in righteous sacrifices and in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings? Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So a joyful heart prays. What's he pray for? He prays for others, right? That's what David says. Do good to Zion. It's asking us to pray for God to, to do good for others, to do good for our family, for our friends, for our country. Our country needs prayer. India needs prayer, but our country needs prayer. It just seems like every time we turn on the TV, our country seems to just keep going this way. And it just keeps going farther and farther away from God. We need to pray that God would, would reel it back in and that our, our country would acknowledge who he is. That, that we would pray for God's protection of our country. That the gospel, the trueness of the gospel, not a fake gospel, that the gospel would go forth. And that it would change hearts. That we would that we would have that we would pray for righteous worship, that God would be worshipped in spirit and truth, that we would pray for our government leaders, that the gospel would would penetrate their hearts, that they would they would see God in all these things and they would start honoring God and our country would honor God. And this is what David is telling us. Finally, in conclusion, we must see that we have all of this. Everything I just talked about. We have all of this in Christ and more. Because of the work that Christ has done on the cross, we have all these things. We have joyful hearts. We have hearts that sing. We have a spirit that's been given to us that we can live godly lives and we can worship God by our lives. We have these things. But if you sit here today and you're an unbeliever, 
You don't have these things. You don't have them at all. You're still in the dark, dark pit of your sin. And you need to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You need Christ. You need Christ to come and save you. You need to turn from him. You need to turn to him and repent of your sin. You need to trust his work on the cross for you. And as believers, as believers, may we leave here today with joyful hearts that lead to obedience so that we may love Christ, worship Christ, and proclaim the excellencies of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for this time that we can just take a, a, a nugget, Lord, just this nugget of your word, this, this goodness of your word, this, this golden nugget, Lord, and help us to unwrap it even more, Lord. Help us to, to be in the word, Lord. Help us to, to worship you by our, our, our reading, by our, by, by our praying, just even in our private times, Lord. Give us hearts to want to, to spend time with you to enjoy you, to, to see how glorified you are, to see how excellent you are. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 8, Lord, that if there's anything excellent, we are to dwell on those things. And Lord, you are the most excellent thing that we can dwell on. So Father, may you turn our hearts to you today. Help us to repent of our sin. Help us to see that our sin is against you. Draw us to see how merciful you are, how forgiving you are, how you've cleansed us and you've washed us clean in the blood of Christ. And give us a life of obedience, Lord, and hearts that want to worship and sing for you. In your name I pray, amen.